The opioid crisis. How big of a problem is it and what is being done? Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about the opioid crisis. And we would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the companies that support our program each week. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are lower even than the big box pharmacies and corner stores. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. And Dr. Forrest, people have questions for us after each show each week. If they want to find more information after the show about today's topic or maybe some information about your practice, where can they find that? If listeners want to send non-emergent general questions uh, to the show and hopefully have some of those answered uh, on the air, because we've had a couple shows where we've done that, which seems to be pretty popular, they can send an email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. That's A-C-C-E-S-S-H-E-A-L-T-H radio at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, you can go to acchealth.com. That's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com or call 919-363-0190. And after the show, you can listen to an on-demand podcast of this or any other show that we've done at WPTF.com. And we'll also provide links to that on our landing page at accesshealthradio.com. And if you, if you tune into the show late one week or if you miss something and you just want to catch up and, and see what you missed, you can always go and listen to that on-demand podcast and uh, get, get the information you were looking for. You sure can. So, well, Dr. Forrest, there's uh, not a topic, I think, that we have uh, discussed here on the show that is any more timely than this one is today, the opioid crisis. It's in the news seemingly every day, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. There's also a lot of laws and regulations that are being put forth about opiate pain medication. Can you shed some light on that for us today? Yes, the you know the number of people that are dying from prescription opiate medication has really skyrocketed over the last few years. And the problem is not a new problem, but with more potent and long-acting opiates combined with uh, widespread use, there's been a tremendous escalation in the number of deaths. And, you know, although illicit drug use like heroin is a big problem, what we are specifically going to focus on today is the health danger associated with medications that are actually prescribed uh, by healthcare providers. And in the last couple of years, one really startling statistic to me is that when you think about all, I mean, you report on traffic, when you think about all of the traffic deaths in our state, and you combine that with all of the firearms-related deaths in our state in a year, all of those together are still less than the number of people dying from opiate painkillers in our state every year, which is just shocking. Um, so it really has become a problem, and it's, it's really you know become a more of a problem in the last few years, especially in terms of the number of people dying from it. Well, you, you bring forth some uh, startling statistics there. So what is it about these opiates that make them dangerous? What is it that they actually do that can be deadly? Well, opiate med medications can actually stop people from breathing. And the issue is that this can happen to someone and they have no idea that they are in danger. So they don't really have a chance to call 911 or to get help. They simply go unconscious and stop breathing. And many times these people will be found by friends, loved ones, or families uh, days after their death without any warning signs. 
And, you know, any opiates that contain oxycodone, hydromorphone, hydrocodone, codeine, et cetera, are what we call respiratory depressants. And what that means is they slow down your breathing and they also make it more shallow, occasionally just stopping it altogether. And the thing is, if you're a person and you're on an opiate, uh, you won't even potentially know this is happening to you at all. You just kind of doze off and go to sleep and then you stop breathing. So this can occur while someone's asleep and it could even happen after after their very first dose of medication. So this is not something that happens just to people who've been taking a lot of this medication for a long time. This is something that can happen to people who've been taking the medication, you know, the very first dose, the very first time they take it. Um, so really, really important that people realize that this is not something that just people that are addicts or that people that abuse the medication die from. This is sometimes what happens to people that have been prescribed the medicine for legitimate reasons, even sometimes people are, who are taking the medication as prescribed. It's time now for our Access Health Tip of the Week. Always read the warnings on your prescription bottles, especially if they are for pain or if they are sedating. Many times there will be warnings not to combine drugs with alcohol or with other drugs. And these really are serious warnings and in particular apply to opioids combined with medications that end in PAM. So if you have any medications that the generic name ends in PAM, for example, lorazepam, clonazepam, diazepam, those medications, which are often used for anxiety or even muscle spasms, can increase the likelihood of death enormously when combined with narcotic pain medications or alcohol. Well, I knew that this was a problem, but I didn't realize how common it was and how scary it is just to stop breathing like that. When we come back from the break, Dr. Forrest has some new laws and regulations that are meant to help prevent opiate deaths, but also have some other consequences. Stay tuned. This is Access Health Radio. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Opioid crisis. We've heard that there's some new rules and laws in our state and in other states that are meant to decrease the deaths from these opiate medications. Dr. Forrest, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes, uh, many states have implemented laws in the last couple of years to help decrease the opioid problem, and most of those are aimed at decreasing prescription quantities. For example, in North Carolina, the law that passed is called the STOP Act, S-T-O-P, and it has been phased in over the last uh, year to two years and is still having aspects phased in. And it only allows physicians, for example, to prescribe five days worth of an opioid or not narcotic pain medication for patients with acute pain. And if they haven't had surgery and if they've had surgery, just had surgery, it only allows a seven day supply of a narcotic or opiate pain medication. And the goal of this was to fix the problem of someone getting a prescription where they just got 60 pills in a bottle uh, and maybe all they needed was 15. And people would just take those and put them in their medicine cabinet and save them. And those unused medications sometimes would fall into the wrong hands. And those people might use the medications themselves or give them to somebody else uh, for something totally unrelated to what they were originally prescribed for. And the STOP Act has been somewhat controversial because many have argued that a five to seven day supply 
of pain medication for acute pain or injury is just not enough. However, recent studies have shown that non-narcotic pain medication uh, that doesn't have any opiate or narcotic properties can be just as effective or even more effective in some cases for certain types of pain without the dangers of opioid painkillers. Now, I've heard that there's also a computer registry, a, a database that now keeps track of all people that are prescribed any of these type of medications. Is that true? Yes. The, this database has been around for a little while, but the STOP Act requires that all patients that get a prescription for an opioid or narcotic medication, even a controlled substance really, be entered into a statewide computer database. Uh, so if you've ever had a prescription for one of those, your name is in that database and it shows exactly how many pills you got and from which physicians uh, and everything. And it's a database that's searchable by regulatory agencies and it's searchable by medical professionals. Uh, and the purpose of the database is supposed to be so that nobody that's prescribing a medication in this class uh, would prescribe something to a patient that already has that medication available. Maybe they've already got a prescription from somebody else. Uh, or that they're on other medications that could interact or duplicate the effects of the current prescription. However, that database can be used to identify both patients that are excessively using opioids as well as prescribers who are over-prescribing them. And this has created a lot of paranoia in the medical community as well as some reluctance by patients to take these type of medications since they do not want to be listed in these databases. We actually have a notice in our office so that patients know that if they are on any of these type of medications, it is required that their names be entered into the statewide uh, computer database. Another part of the law actually requires that anybody prescribing a medication in this class to check the database and search every single patient's history. And physicians certainly do not think all of their patients abuse these medications. They don't think that all of their patients are, you know, addicted to medication. However, uh, sometimes patients feel that way, that if they find out that a physician is checking the database and looking to see if they've been on narcotics or opioids, that they must be suspicious of the patient. And that's not necessarily the case. We're required by law to check that database now for every opiate prescription. And just to clarify something really quickly, you know, I've, I've been using the term narcotic and opioids sort of interchangeably. And while most opioid prescriptions would be considered to be narcotics, not all narcotics are necessarily going to be opiate prescriptions that we're talking about. So that can have be a little bit broader category uh, in general. So Dr. Forrest, what happens to physicians that either prescribe more opiates than they're supposed to or who don't follow these new rules? And what happens to patients that are found to have multiple prescriptions in the database? Well, prescribers of uh, opioid painkillers could find themselves disciplined by the medical board, including having their license suspended. And there is a possibility of prosecution also because this is actually a state law. Now, patients can have their ability to get these prescriptions cut off if they are found to have multiple prescriptions in the database or any evidence that they are not taking the medications in the amount or with the intent that they were prescribed. And if diversion, and what diversion means is generally uh, if the prescription medication is being provided to somebody other than it was originally prescribed for. So that could be giving it to a family member or giving it to somebody else. If that's suspected, uh, then the patients can actually be prosecuted and go to jail. And, uh, you know, one of the rules that upsets many people 
is mandatory drug testing. Meaning if you are on one of these prescriptions for any length of time, your medical provider now is actually supposed to test your urine and, and drug test you, not just for the drug that you're taking, but for other illicit substances on a regular basis and in random fashion in order to be prescribing those medications. So that really upsets some patients, you know, when their physician says, well, I've got to do a drug test on you, but realize the physician's not suspicious of you. It's that these new rules and regulations make it that they have to do that kind of thing to be prescribing these the way they're supposed to. It almost sounds like the, some of these medications are more trouble than they're worth. Are medical providers prescribing them less often these days? Well, you've got a good point. The actual number of prescriptions is decreasing uh, with these new regulations, and many physicians and even patients would agree that they would rather not prescribe or take something with so much, many potential hassles and dangers. And the other thing is there's some recent studies that indicate that some of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, pain medications like naproxen and celecoxib, also known as Celebrex, may actually be just as effective or in some cases even more effective for pain relief than these opioid medications. So in the past, most considered opioid pain medications to be the strongest pain relief you could get, and therefore they were used in the case of severe pain. Uh, but if safer medications with less side effects are as effective, then I think many people will prefer those options in the future. Uh, what about chronic pain? Patients who have chronic pain or they've been taking these medications for years and they refill them every month. Well, the STOP Act specifically addresses limits on the number of days opiates can be prescribed for acute pain, uh, five days for pain that is not following a surgery, and seven days for supply after surgery. However, chronic pain patients can still get longer prescriptions. However, due to the law, some pharmacies have now established policies where they will only fill a five or a seven day supply at a time. And this may mean that some patients are having to get more refills than they, they used to have to get. Uh, since urine drug testing and assessment by a medical professional is going to be needed on a regular basis, this may also mean more frequent office visits. And if you're looking for chronic pain patients, prescribers and patients will be strongly encouraged both to look for alternative treatments. And with the cost of some of the more effective non-steroidals coming down, this and other options may actually become more reasonable. After the break, we're going to summarize the key information about the opioid crisis, and we'll have our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week straight ahead. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. We're talking about the opioid crisis today. And Dr. Forrest, it's time for our Access Health Trivia of the Week. Well, today's trivia is a shock even to me. And, you know, when you think about all of the prescription medications that are out there and how many people have high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, ear infections, you know, strep throat, you would think that a medication for one of those conditions would be the most prescribed uh, medication in the state. You know, if I had to guess, I'd say probably a cholesterol medication was one of the most prescribed in the state or maybe a common antibiotic. Turns out that's incorrect. In fact, the most prescribed medication above all in our state is an opioid pain medication called hydrocodone. And this just helps to show us the opioid crisis is a real problem. So, Dr. Forrest, what are the keys that you'd like people to take away from today's show about the opioid crisis? 
Well, opioid deaths are on the rise, and the reason is not abuse or intentional, intentional overdose necessarily. Uh, these drugs can be very dangerous, especially when they are combined with any other medications, uh, like the ones we talked about earlier that end in the letters PAM. Uh, you know, new regulations like the STOP Act force prescribers and patients to limit quantities of these in each prescription. And it also requires for people to be entered into and monitored by a statewide computer database and to do drug testing, even if the patients are not suspected of drug abuse, they still have to be urine drug tested. And this is key. So don't be angry at your physician if they require a urine drug test or if they can only prescribe you a certain amount of medication. Uh, this is something they are required to do, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean they mistrust you as a patient. Um, another important point from today is that people need to know that since some people need these type medications, and they can be used safely and responsibly. Uh, you know, there's several examples that come to mind of patients where opioids are really the most appropriate medications. You know, one example of that is cancer patients, uh, patients that are in hospice. Uh, those are just a few examples of patients where, you know, opioid medication may be, you know, the best medication. And they can be used safely and responsibly uh, in certain situations. And, you know, my last point today is if, if you or a family member takes any form of an opioid, uh, any type of a codeine, codone, morphine, fentanyl, oxycontin, oxycodone, etc., number one, please only use these as prescribed. And you know, if you have a surgery or you you know have an injury and you're taking those medications, and you know at some point you're better and you stop needing them. By all means, get rid of those medications. We have lots of events, community events, where you can dispose of those medications safely. Uh, but don't just leave them hanging out in your medication uh, cabinet once you're not taking them anymore or on top of your refrigerator or wherever you, you know, the, the graveyard for old medications is. Because in this case, if it gets into the hands of someone it was not prescribed for, you know, it could be deadly for them or somebody else. You also want to make sure you don't ever intentionally give these type of medications to someone else. Uh, patients tell me all the time that, hey, you know, my, my brother, he hurt his back or whatever, so I gave him some, some of my medicine I had left over. Or my brother had an old back injury and he had some leftover medication, so I've been taking his medication for a week. A couple of things about that. Number one, it's actually a felony. So you're actually committing a felony when you give narcotics to somebody else or opioid pain medications that were not meant for them. The second thing is you don't know what medications they take. They might not tell you what all other medications they take, or you might not be aware. And if they mix it with some of those medications that end in PAM or other examples uh, that, of medications that can sort of depress their central nervous system, it could actually be fatal for that friend or family member. So really be cautious and make sure that uh, if you have those medications, you're using them only for you. And when you're done with that prescription, uh, get rid of any excess. That's really important. Well, Dr. Forrest, thanks for all this great information about the opioid crisis this week. Well, that concludes our show, and hopefully you will be able to use this information uh, to be a more informed healthcare consumer and keep your family safe as well. And our scripture this week is from Ephesians 5.18, New International Version. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.